Lingua Britannica is a podcast that uses ethnographic interviews to study language use in the extreme metal community. We are studying a music scene known for its love of themes and topics generally considered offensive, and it is likely that some episodes will touch on topics or opinions some listeners may find tasteless or ethically problematic. Ethnographic researchers aim to adopt the interviewee's point of view so that we can draw out and study the attitudes, beliefs, and practices that are important to them. We want to make it clear that in presenting these conversations here, we do not endorse any of their content. Our aim is to explore the thought processes behind language use in this long-running, international and yet understudied scene. Hey everyone and welcome back to Lingua Britannica with me Jess Crook and my co-host Ved Robertson. Hello. In our episode today we have Louis Thierry of Prius. Uh, welcome back to the podcast Louis. Hey the guys thank you very much for having me today. So uh, just to kick things off um, can you how would you describe uh, Prius's music to someone that's never heard it before what kind of genre of metal would you say it falls under? Uh, so that's a good question so I know um Obviously, uh, I think we're uh, a band that tries to tries pretty hard to do something new each time. Uh, I would say our current iteration is uh, fairly squarely in the uh, progressive metal um, genre, but uh, you know, for the first release, was probably more like melodic uh, death metal, and then the, some of the releases in between, I would characterize a little bit more as progressive uh, death metal. So, unfortunately, um, we're a bit of a shifting form shifting beast here and there so but yeah progressive metal for the time being okay because um you're the first band i think we've talked to where uh encyclopedia metallum gave you two categories uh progressive melodic death metal early slash progressive metal slash rock later um does that jive with you or do you consider yourself rock uh i mean i wouldn't but you know i guess there's arguments to be made uh, for some progressive metal leaning a bit more into the rock side of things. I think it just gets a little complicated when you don't do as much screaming mm -hmm. um, or harsh vocals. You might start to adopt that for people that maybe, again, and I, I don't wanna be a genre snob or anything like that, but um, yeah, it I guess it's par for the course for sort of changing your sound every couple of albums, but yeah. So um, when did you start first getting into metal music and what attracted you to the style? Were you, did you start with progressive death metal? No, so definitely not. Um, I, I, I can't, I, I never, I'm never sure if this is uh, odd for people or not, but I really didn't listen, start listening to music till I was about 13. Um, if, it, if my dad weren't playing something on his speakers in the living room or something like that, I, I was not listening to music on my own. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of that was, um, you know, Beatles, Deep Purple, uh, Jimi Hendrix, Led Zeppelin, things like that. So that would have been my first entrance to independently listening to music. Um, and then I pretty quickly got into um, uh, what I probably wouldn't consider to be metal today, but things like um, sort of like, I don't want to say emo music, but things like Escape the Fate. Um, Bullet from a Valentine, Bring Me the Horizon. That was sort of my uh, trajectory initially 
And that sort of gave way, like Metallica, stuff like that. And then that gave way to maybe a lot heavier metal, things like um, Flesh God Apocalypse was probably one of the first like really heavy bands I ever um, genuinely enjoyed. Uh, and then from there, it's, you know, sort of all over the place. And then I'm one of those metalheads that probably at one point when I don't even really... I mean, I'm not really interested in listening to metal a lot anymore. So I definitely started to dabble with a lot of, um, you know, other styles of music. And now it's, you know, uh, here and there, uh, obviously still listen to a lot of metal, but um, not opposed to listening to things that aren't metal either. So, yep. So what kind of drew you to those heavy genres to begin with then? Like what, like, you know, why get into that kind of stuff? Yeah, I guess initially, you know, it's a bit at the edge, you know, um, you you want something that, you know, scares your parents a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they, especially things like Escape the Fate and Bring Me the Horizon and stuff like that had a very distinct look uh, about them, which I think initially, you know, when you're younger, trying to find yourself, you sort of latch onto something and you go like, ooh, I like the way they look. And then you get caught up in the... Um, the whole the whole style of it um so that was definitely and i guess again my my dad listened to what would have been the metal of his day you know what i mean like hmm. rolling stones at one point was the peak of you know counterculture-y let me piss my parents off kind of music um so i think sort of just following in those footsteps but the flavor of today is uh you know metal heavy metal death metal stuff like that yeah. So were you kind of entirely focused on sort of image and sound at that time, or did you pay any attention to uh, the lyrics of any of the bands you were listening to? So um, my, uh, my journey with how much I care about lyrics and metal definitely has gone up and down. I would say when I was 15 or, you know, thereabouts, because again, that's roughly the age when I was starting to really get into music. Um, I would probably say at that point in my life, I cared a lot. Um, you know, I wanted I wanted each song that I listened to to have uh, some meaning behind it or something like that. Um, I've softened that stance a lot these days. Um, these days, I don't particularly, this is going to be, um, you know, contrarian maybe, but I don't particularly care about the lyrics for most songs. Uh, I think... I, I don't want to not like music because I don't enjoy the lyrics. Um, so I tend to try to not block them out, but let's just say, you know, I would, I would consider Dream Theater to be one of my uh, favorite bands and I would not consider their lyricism to be top notch or anything like that. Um, so you sort of have to, or at least I sort of have to push some of that down. Whereas uh, a band that I do really like the lyrics of, or at least their most recent release, Palimpsest in uh, Protest the Hero. You know, I think there's a real, there's something really interesting he's doing with um, with the the lyrical topics and themes that he's decided to write about. Uh, whereas I don't want to have to discredit, or not discredit, I don't want to have to disavow bands for not having good lyrics, if that makes sense. So it's definitely been a bit of a up and down sort of relationship. Have you ever had to do that? Like, you know, have has there ever been like a case where like you weren't able to just like ignore yes. the lyrics and it actually ruined it for you? 
Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, I was toying about whether or not I wanted to say what the band was, but I think that they were called uh, they were called Within the Ruins, and I can't remember what album it was. Um, and I did really like the album, but after a couple after a couple of listens to it, there were just some things he would say or some some lyrics that I would sit there and go, "Wow, that is this is making it hard to listen to." So you try it, you. I'd like to find bands with lyrics that um, are are like inoffensive, and I don't mean that in a sort of uh, not inoffensive as in like offending to me, but just don't be so bad that you're taking away from the music that's being played, and that's definitely something that I uh, you know aspire to with some of my music as well. So are you kind of yeah, saying not that, not often, but sometimes. So would you be saying then that like uh, awfulness of content is harder to ignore than awfulness of style? No. So it's like um, you know, I I, w- I can't say that I would particularly enjoy a, a metal song about dismembering a body or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that is less offensive to me than just uh, poor, poorly worded, very very basic um what's the trying to think of the word very basic uh language maybe and i'm I'm not saying that i need all my songs i listen to to have you know a a lyricist to be having a thesaurus next to them finding Mm -hmm. the the most perfect word each time but you know really basic uh rhyming schemes like you know black attack stuff like that you're just like come on man you can do a little bit more so I would say that's more um, what kind of makes it hard for me to enjoy the lyrics and music sometimes. Conversely, what makes um, uh, good metal lyrics, if they're, if we can define metal lyrics as like a thing that has, you know, some kind of border? Sure. So, um, you know, it's hard to, hard to say, but at least for me, um, I'll go back to just because it's, I mean, it's an album I revisit a lot and something I think is very, very interesting lyrically, but uh, so like Palimpsest by Protest the Hero has a very interesting theme in its uh, sort of centering around early America. Um, maybe not that early, maybe like it felt feels to me like between 1850 and maybe 1910 America, which to me in, in, in a, on a metal album, you know, that is not a, a widely explored concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a sci-fi guy, so if you're singing about blowing up spaceships, I'm going to lean towards that as something like, you know, bass level, fine, that's good to listen to. But I wouldn't say, you know, it's, I guess maybe that's one, that's part of maybe why, as a band, we change genres every now and then, because the scope of metal can sometimes be limiting in what you want to talk about. Um, so it's hard to have maybe a heartfelt, uh, collection of words when the expectation is that you're screaming all the lyrics over mm-hmm. this heavy riff or this, uh, you know, heavy breakdown. You can't, um, there's, there's only so many emotions you can express at full throttle. Uh, so that's sort of why we softened our sound at least for this record, because we, I think we wanted to convey more emotions. And I guess that's sort of what, I, what I'm getting at is that, 
you can't I, I wouldn't I mean the the classic you know Metallica style lyrics or some of that old school death metal where it's just um, talking about gore so it's hard to pin down what makes metal lyrics metal but at the same time it's yeah usually more aggressive dark in nature stuff like that uh, did that kind of answer your question yeah um actually like we, we've talked to a few people uh in the prefaces that actually were saying that you know oh no you could sing about anything in metal and of course you know uh we ask well why don't people but do you, you feel that there are some topics that just don't really match metal very well like could, could you you know we've had have we have had people argue that you could have love songs or songs about cute things in a screaming metal track that's not meant to be a joke but maybe you, you feel there's a bit of um what's the word like binding or a bit of pressure to conform so yeah i would say definitely for sure um there's definitely some pressure to not sing about stuff because i'd say half of what brings people to metal is that they're you know maybe singing about their feelings but not in love songs or um things like, like you know i don't i don't necessarily want to listen to a love song i want to listen to uh preferably a story being told but mm -hmm. um you know i think uh metal lends itself to maybe more of my interests you know let's just random things like action movies sci-fi horror uh things of that nature which i just find more interesting on my own am i i, I would not say that you can't um have a long love song with screamed lyrics or anything like that but uh Let's just say if there were a love song on the Eldritch Realm, for argument's sake, <laughs> it might fall a little flat if um, it's being belted out with harsh vocals the entire time. So, I, and again, that's I'd say maybe that's what draws people to metal in general is that there, there's not a super defined boundary of what you can and can't do. Um, so sky's the limit, but within reason, in my mm. opinion. Hmm. you want to match one thing i try to do with my lyrics uh is that i want to match tonally what is going on in the song and i feel like i well i i personally tried very hard to match what i was saying on the newest album the the signal heard throughout space i wanted to match what i was saying to the tone of the song at the time uh, so that was something i was i was very conscious of while uh, writing my lyrics there and has that always been your approach or has your approach to writing lyrics kind of changed over time? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, uh, the first album, um, I'm 28 now, but the first album, Saturnine, the lyrics for that were probably written between the ages of 15 and, and 17 or something to that effect. Um, so I don't even know what I was thinking at that point, honestly, uh, but it wasn't a lot. For sure. Uh, there was not a whole lot knocking around up there when I was that young. So, um, uh, I, you know, I was always, I always gravitated towards the lead singer of a band, uh, the vocals, lyrics, stuff like that when I was younger, for sure. Um, but when you're 15, you don't have a lot of uh, interesting stuff to say. So... As time went on, I would definitely, you know, when you're younger, it's a lot of, you're just sort of emulating what you like. Um, so when I was younger, I would say that one of my favorite bands 
and vocalists and lyricists were, was a was in a band called Woe of Tyrants. Um, and they, he has a way of writing lyrics that I found incredibly compelling. Uh, in the second album, there's a lot of um, biblical references and stuff like that, which I found really cool when I was younger. I still think it's cool, but I, when I was 15, I thought it was really cool. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm sort of getting tangential here. So hopefully <laughs> that was answering the question. Yeah, for sure. Um, I suppose, like, kind of following on from that, um, we wanted to talk a little bit about your kind of relationship to your lyrics, um, just because, like, you know, in a general sense, before we dive into the nitty gritty, um, because yeah, as we have spoken about extensively on this podcast at this point, a lot of research has kind of suggested that um, a lot of metal lyricists tend to take a kind of uh, kind of position of distance from the lyrics that they write and the stories that they write about, kind of framing them as kind of pure entertainment that doesn't necessarily have any kind of connection to their own kind of personal identities or points of view. Um, so given your last few albums have specifically been kind of more um, conceptual in nature, um, you know, in that they tell stories, um, we were curious, like, on whether or not this take is something that resonates with you. So I would say um, definitely. So I tend, these days, I tend not to like music that is attempting to make super profound um, sort of points or uh, statements and stuff like that, because it's just not, it's just not my, it's just not what I'm into. Um I would say that specifically with the Eldritch Realm and the signal heard throughout space, I'm certainly not saying anything profound, but I'm using, I am using what I like as a framing device to maybe talk about what I want to. Mm -hmm. And again, um, there's, I, I'm definitely more in the camp of, um, I like to hear stories. They don't need some sort of um, profound underlying resonance to, to connect with me. But so for argument's sake, I think I wrote the Eldritch Realm and the Signal to not be both, but let's just say it means something to me, um, but it's mostly dressed up as like a story. And that's more the case with the Signal where I, I was sort of using a story as uh, a backdrop to express myself, but that's not, you know, it's not making some sort of greater statement on society or anything like that. It's just sort of how I was feeling and how I decided to my express myself through the, uh, the concept of the record. Stories are always about something though, right? To some extent. Sure. Sure. So I actually distinctly, now that you say that uh, I distinctly remember in high school, there's a book called The Once and Future King, which I never read. Um, but I, when I heard that uh, kids were reading a song, a story about King Arthur in high school, I was like, I want to get into that class because that's the kind of stuff I want to read. And then I heard that it was, um, you know, all uh, all uh, an analogy or an allegory for uh, something. I can't remember what it was at this point, but that that upset me at the time. I'm not, it wouldn't upset me now, but it set me, upset me at the time because I 
I, it's escapism, right? You want to escape into the world of King Arthur and his knights and stuff like that. And I don't want it to reflect real life uh, at the time. That's how I felt. Um, so yeah, so exactly. To your point, there's always something in a story that has meaning. Um, I guess for me, it just, I prefer it when it's maybe something personal to the uh, lyricist or vocalist mm -hmm. of the band and not um, trying to make a statement personally. Nothing wrong with that if you, uh, if one were to, however, it's just not my speed. Are some songs then just more grounded in the real world than others though? Like, is there kind of like a bit of variation to the degree to which they are kind of um, a source of escapism versus a kind of reflection, if, albeit an abstract reflection on reality? Like, um, I mean, we were thinking about um, the song Mannequin Soldiers from your first release, a bit of a kind of critique of, um, of war as it refers to the manufacture of soulless warriors by an uncaring father, but, uh, you know, Galactic Termination, which discusses uh, running from a planet destroying uh, a creature named um, Chabragnagar, um, yep. <laughs> seems, you know, more abstract then. Um, sure. So, you know, is, is that generally the case for you? Does, do they have to be some kind of, um, like, link um, to reality at all? Um, and do you tend to kind of like play around with like the degree to which, um, you know, there are kind of links to the real world or abstractions from the real world? Um, so it's a good question. Unfortunately, um, with that first album, Saturnine, <clears throat> um, that, you know, uh, as I uh, may have mentioned earlier, there's not a whole lot knocking around in a 15 year old's head. Um, <laughs> so anything that resembles something that might be making a statement back then was unfortunately a cat out of the bag. I pretty much only had knew how to write songs about media I was interested in. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, Mannequin Soldier was um, about uh, an anime called Full Metal Alchemist. Um, mm -hmm. So the Mannequin Soldier was some plot point later on in the series. Uh, so unfortunately, any reflection to real life um, is not, unfortunately, not the case. And the the Shamragnagar, you got a better me, better than me that time. So <laughs> um, that I think. You know, that song as well as Dr. Device are about uh, Ender's Game as you as you um, nailed in the uh, questionnaire there. Um, oh, is that, is that creature so, in Ender's Game? We go I Googled the heck no, out of it. No, so he's find. actually, if I can remember correctly, which I may not be, um, I believe there's like a general in the book called like Chamgar or Sham, Sham, Shamrag or something like that and I was like wow I like the way that sounds let me sauce it up a little bit and turn it into some <laughs> monster or something like that um so yeah a lot of those songs on Saturnine are just um you know referential to to media I was into Saturnine itself being a concept in the uh the video game Bioshock stuff like that you know what I mean so but these days I very much don't want the things that I write to reflect reality. And it's not that, I suppose it's not that the emotions that I'm trying to convey with my song can't be real, but I want, as I mentioned earlier, when I listen to something, I want it to take me somewhere else. Um, 
So that's sort of what I shoot for in my lyrics as well. Hmm. So, I mean, you mentioned all these series, you know, uh, and we there's also a song that you have that is set around like uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender. Um, when you were writing all this, Much was there any it's, uh, chagrin there? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's yeah. I wanted to ask, like, was, was there got, any pushback? I got a lot of shit was... for that. Okay. You did? Uh, well, I tried. I tr- my my goal when I was writing lyrics for stuff like that is to, and I, obviously I didn't do it that well sometimes, but what the goal was to obfuscate what I was talking about enough so that my uh, guitarist Ryan couldn't Google it and figure out immediately what it was. <laughs> so ob- obviously that's not. Uh, the case with some of that stuff but i if i can remember correctly i would say things like the song saturnine i felt like i did a good job of singing about a concept i was interested in in the video game bioshock without it being immediately recognizable as Mm -hmm. that you know things with dr device and galactic termination less less subtlety there or what a 15 year old thinks is subtle Mm -hmm. um did that uh, did that answer your question? Well, yeah, because I was I was curious if if you know people were telling you you know you, you can't have anime in like you can't write a, a metal song about anime. Was that I mean, what, did you get that response from your guitarist? I think I think at the time, it's just you know I don't want to sound like a hater, but it's just kind of lame. You know what I mean? Um, I it, it so today if I listen to a song that was clearly about an anime or well, that's not, I mean, I did really like the um, Star One album, Revel in Time, recently, and that's all about movies and stuff. I guess if it's the theme of the album, I could forgive it more, but um, there is an album by a band called Vela Maya uh, that I think is called Matriarch or something, and I think every song name is a different uh, woman from an anime series, and I'm, like, not into that at all. I think that's... Hmm. I just, I'm not, I would never do that today. Uh, I prefer to synthesize things that I'm interested in and sort of make something original out of it. Uh, at the time, I didn't have anything original to say. So <laughs> I le- I lent, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that anyone who does that is, is unoriginal or something like that. I'm just saying at the time, that's how I felt and how I feel about it now, uh, where I want to, I want to make something of my own, if that makes sense. So, hmm. one thing that's consistent though across your releases is even on the first um, album, you are kind of positioning all these songs as though you are a storyteller. Um, what's what kind of inspired you to take that approach of like telling a tale in a metal song as as the way that you are going to, uh, you know, sing songs in Parias? It's because it, you know the way you do it is different, but you're still telling stories up until uh, the most recent record. For sure. So I, th- I think <clears throat> that's just always what's connected with me the most. I like I like things to have a beginning, middle, and end. Um, you know, I want something that I can feel like I can sink my teeth in, into into and understand. If the if the if the if a song had lyrics that is sort of a jumbled attempt at conveying an emotion or maybe overly poetic and again this is my opinion uh overly poetic i sort of tend to lose the plot um no pun intended but it's it's that i i just find it more interesting really um i just you know especially 
evidently on the the last two albums mm-hmm. if your album is tied together conceptually i don't care how stupid it is i don't care if i don't like it the idea that song six tells this point of a story helps me be interested in the music from back to from front to back so for argument's sake um there's definitely a time where I sort of fell out of love with super heavy metal when we were going in our, I think the band. Uh, so Kenny Wrench, the bassist has always been into the uh, less extreme side of metal. Um, and I think at some point, I don't want to speak necessarily for them, but at some point we all were sort of listening to similar progressive style of music that was less on the heavy side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've recently, you know, quote unquote recently, gotten a little bit back into the heavier stuff but when you are listening to a 60 minute all-out assault on your eardrums i tend to get tired of it but if as i mentioned if there's plot points to look forward to in the music i i find that it for me it can carry an album um when not to say I mean, if you have a concept and your album's bad, I'm not going to like it, but it's better than not having one. How about that? So do you, does that mean you still look up lyrics? Because, I mean, some of it, if it's all screaming, you know, you don't know if there's a plot point until you check, right? Is just checking lyrics still something you find yourself doing a lot? No. <laughs> and that's um, Maybe the ironic thing is that um, uh, our bassist, Kenny, gives me a lot of shit for is that I will not look up lyrics I will get the lyrics wrong and I don't care if I am singing the wrong thing because what I hear is what I like better. Um, so yeah, sometimes I will. Again, I think if a, if an album really connects with me, I'll, I'll take the time to read the lyrics. But And I don't necessarily, unfortunately, I'm not someone that needs to sort of understand the concept inside and out to enjoy something. As long as I think there's something there, that's good enough for me. So for argument's sake, uh, there's a band that I recently uh, heard about through, uh, because some people compared them, you know, roughly to us in some reviews was a band called uh, Luna's Call. Um, And they have an album called Void. And I, I w- got very, very into that album for a couple of months, and I don't know if there's a story. I've never listened to the lyrics all the way through, but I think there's one there. So it's sort of, it, 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 it helps me fall in love with an album, let's say, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily need to understand it to fully appreciate it. That being said, not to get uh, on too much of a soapbox here, but there was an album uh that i found out about a couple of years ago but i think is a little bit older than that and it's called pink lemonade by a band called a closure in moscow and that in my opinion was again the story's pretty wacky um but they do a good job of making it feel like you're going on an adventure when you listen to it and i think that's something i really am into um one of my other favorite bands being arion you know they a band really famous for their rock operas and and sprawling concepts and stuff like that so um those then those album uh, arion and closure in moscow i would say were very large influences on what i wanted to do with my voice and my um story in the sense that they're both sort of bands that tend to be like wackier sci-fi uh styled stuff 
but yeah, hopefully hmm. that answered the question there. Yeah, for sure. Totally. It's interesting you say that because I suppose thinking about it now, there are quite a lot of bands that do tend to uh, try to kind of detail or recreate these quite expansive worlds in the context of their, their lyrics uh, and do kind of like to tell quite like epic scale tales, um, you know, across like a single, you know, multiple albums. Um, do you think there's anything about metal in particular as a genre that kind of facilitates this? Do you think there's something especially metal about epic tales like that? I'd, I would say definitely um, because it's hard. I would say that it's hard to tell a sprawling epic tale through the lens of, I don't know, 90s hip hop, right? I'm not saying it can't be done, um, but there's, you know, the grandiose, inherently the grandiose nature of metal lends itself to telling silly grandiose stories you know what i mean in the same way that mm -hmm. rock music you want to hear about you want to hear some guy with like a manly raspy voice talking about like smoking cigarettes and dating women you know what i mean so definitely <laughs> i think i think music i think music definitely would let tends to lend itself to certain so i'm just rearranging myself and see there um lends itself to certain styles again I, i'm not saying it's necessarily constricting Mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. all, all genres to some degree have their sort of, you know, boilerplate topics that they'll tend, tend mm. to orbit around. Mm. But so, yeah, so the grandiose nature of metal lends itself to these sort of larger than life stories, I would say. Mm. So before we move out of um, kind of the earlier days of your career, uh, just one quick question, last one, uh, is that the only use of like a heavy swear word on any of your albums is on your first album, which is there's one use of fuck uh, in the line, something is mine, just went and fucking snapped. You haven't sworn at all since then, except uh, on the new album, there's goddamn in the line, it's been a goddamn ride, uh, which again is a lot, you know, lighter. Has your feeling about included swearing in your lyrics changed over time, or is this something you always kind of avoided and there's just two that kind of snuck in? So to answer your question and not necessarily the order you asked it in, <laughs> okay. I, I can't remember how I thought when I was 15, but I think the, the lyrics potentially speak for themselves, but I'm a huge proponent of not swearing in music. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean I don't listen to music that swears or anything like that. And if I weren't on this podcast, I'd probably be swearing a lot more than I am right now. But so not to say that I, I don't swear in my daily life or anything like that. I'm not against swearing. You are allowed um, to swear in the podcast, though. That is yeah, okay. I know, yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just messing around, trying to keep it like professional. You know what I mean? OK, yeah. Because um, once I start, it's hard to stop. Um, oh, OK. And it's not super pleasant to hear the F word every three words. So. Um, so, yeah, I'm a big proponent of not swearing in music just because my own personal view of it is that there's so many words to use in the English language, why are you filling up all these words with some, uh, you know, filler word essentially? Uh, and I think it helps me personally in our music because let's just say for this newest album, uh, it would sound kind of weird swearing when you sing and the, the genre and style of music where, you know, there's not a lot of edge to it, right? You're not you know, you probably want to swear if you have this cool rock song where you're 
you know, riding a motorcycle or something like that. They're like, yeah. So I guess what I would say there is that the only song I would have sworn in might have been Contact because it's sort of mm-hmm. got that uh, snarly edge to it. But I don't. I I like going forward. I would never swear. Well, okay. And here's the distinction. So I would never say uh, "fuck" in a song pretty probably ever again, just because I think it's um lame it's not, again this is what i think i'm not saying that anyone does it is lame just how i feel about it um i i think there's a lot of ways to say things more intelligently than throwing a swear in there uh we don't have the sort of music that lends itself to just you know saying fuck in the middle of a breakdown or something like that um so the goddamn in the end of the signal to me, that almost doesn't seem like a swear, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, that was meant to be sort of like a, not maybe tongue in cheek's not the right word, but, you know, you hear, you hear like, man, it's been a goddamn ride kind of thing. So that, that was sort of the, what I was going for there, less of like the inherent swear. And then I think the one fuck that I've said in a song, I think, I think, again, my guitarist was like, man, you got to say the F word more, saying the F word's cool in songs. I'm like, I don't know. I disagree. Sorry. So (laughs) I probably, I snuck that in there for him, but but yeah, that's kind of my overall feeling is that there's a lot of, there's a lot of words to use and you can tell a story without saying it once. So. You did mention earlier though, like matching the lyrical content to the feel of the music is death metal, extreme metal, not a feel of music that kind of lends itself to fuck. For sure, for sure. Yeah, again, I um, I'm definitely not knocking anyone that does do it. I just uh, when I'm writing my lyrics and telling mm-hmm. a story, I don't want it like punctuated by swears and stuff because I just think mm-hmm. there's so much more stuff I can be doing with uh, what the you know the finite amount of words I have on an album. Um, I want them to to matter and count. Not again, prefacing with saying that's I'm not saying that anyone that yeah, yeah. you know swears yeah. in music is is wrong for it. Just it's just how I feel about it. Yeah, no, no. This is you know, we're we're asking your opinion, not a uh, not for putting sure, down for laws, sure. right? No way. Yeah, just gotta just gotta make sure I preface every <laughs> potentially controversial statement with a uh, just how I feel about it. Yeah. But hey, what about what about um swearing in 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 fear or something like on the on the middle album it has the guy kind of going through the horrific you know Lovecraftian story. For I mean, sure. is there not a is is there not an opportunity for no shit somewhere in there, or is that also you yeah know, for sure? I could think. Um, and again, it's just, it's just preference. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I think, I think it would be valid if a different person came in before or after me on like, just as, let's say the elder realm, all the music was written. Someone decides to, um, someone decides to rewrite the lyrics and swears a couple more times. There's definitely places on the album where it might sound cool or something like that. It's just not, uh, just not my preference, you know, for, for argument's sake, we have a, there's a band that we uh, knew growing up or I knew like we all knew a couple of them from one way or another called Illustrium and their uh, vocalist, uh, Jerry Martin. I can't say this definitively, but I think he also is very, I think he also is very light on the swear words, if any, in, in a lot of his music. And I, I don't think I've ever actually talked to him about it, but I'd like to think that he was of a similar mindset and that there's just like more important things I could be saying at the time. Hmm. And I don't, you know, I don't tend to sing about edgier topic. And I don't, I don't mean any edgy in a um, negative connotation, just sort of like 
you know, if you were, I don't know where I'm going with that, but basically, um, yeah, it's just not my thing at the end of the day. Well, moving on to your second release, uh, The Elder Trim Realm, um, we noticed this, this release does kind of stand out from your first album and the EP that came after uh, in telling a story that runs across the length of the full album. Um, so focused around the, of course, uh, horrific adventures of the narrator uh, and a woman named Lilith. Uh, so what uh, motivated you to approach this format? So, yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, um, I, at some point, I can't remember exactly when it was, but at some point I decided that like concept albums are just peak music, <laughs> uh, generally speaking. So as I said, if there's a concept there and I like it, I like it more. Uh, if I don't like it and there's a concept, you did something right kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, so that was definitely around the time where I was like, I, and well, okay, cat out of the bag. It also makes writing lyrics a lot easier when I don't have to think of nine independent concepts to think about or to, to write lyrics about. You know, there's a connecting thread to everything. I can think of what we're doing next or what's happening next that can help me write lyrics to go along with that. Whereas I think um, if I had to come up with nine original concepts for each song, I'd want to do my head in because um, that's a lot of uh, different stuff to write lyrics about. But that was definitely the, the moment in time where I definitively decided that concept albums are superior. So, And then I wanted to reflect that in my own music. I'm actually gonna surprise because I thought it'd be harder to write a concept album because like you know what if you write a story and you don't have enough tracks for it or like you can't you've saw like the, you actually found it easier to write within the constraint big time yeah big time yeah because it's like so you you bring up a good point there when you say uh like track track list constraint so that was part of the issue with in my opinion the Eldritch realm and when I say issue my issue with it is that I knew at that point, that I wanted to write a concept album. Um, but the six or so songs that I had to work with makes it hard. You know, the, mm -hmm. the Eldritch Realm is 30 minutes and the Signal is 60 minutes. So I, and even in the Signal, um, I almost felt like I was running out of time and space to, um, to, to, to write a story. Um, so I, that, I definitely struggled with that in the Eldritch Realm. And I think that's why... So one, one thing I was thinking about when, um, you know, leading up to this uh, interview is that I... The way I feel about concepts is that I think you need to make sure that the story is not super complicated to the point where no one could understand what's happening until they read the lyric sheet. And even then some of them are still scratching their head after. And I'm not saying I nailed that in either of my attempts at a concept album, but uh, that's just how I feel about it. So then the Eldritch Realm, I think the story is fairly uh, nebulous in that it is, it's not necessarily point A, point B, point C, point D, um, there might be some like logical leaps in where the story happens next, uh, for argument's sake. I tried to minimize that in the signal since I had more time 
and um, I had more things that I wanted to talk about. But I tend, so one thing that I get flack for from some of the bands sometimes is that I tend to repeat myself a lot. Uh, some, let's just say, uh, concepts like, uh, I don't know, the chimes from the Eldritch Realm or um, obviously the signal in the signal. But the there's a, something I repeat a lot about the gleam in the signal uh, or, I don't know, you know, uh, sort of just take those two examples so I use that as a way to sort of ground where we are in the story because I don't want someone to listen to the third track and be like, all right, I have no idea where we are now. Um, so I tend to think that you need to find maybe between like three and five core concepts that your story sort of orbits around and make sure that they continue to make sense in the context of the story as it goes through so that there's something to be like, Okay, yeah, here's the signal in the second song. Okay, his spaceship, something's not good with his spaceship on the third song. Uh, he he meets, he finds what, out what the gleam is in the fifth song or something like that. So I contrast that with some other progressive metal concept albums that I enjoy where the story is so incomprehensibly complicated that, like I said, you might read the lyrics and still be like, okay, well, I still don't know what's going on here. So if there's not a blurb on Wikipedia summarizing it, I'm just like, all right. So that's kind of how I feel about that. Well, so one thing that kind of goes across the album is there's a lot of references to Greek gods and myths outside of the general Lovecraftian theme, including uh, Charon and the sea monsters, uh, Skyla and Charybdis. Uh, Scylla, Scylla and Scylla? Charybdis. Scylla and Charybdis, thank you. Yep. Um, so why specifically use references to Greek lore and gods for the story you were telling there? So, so one thing I do for the Eldritch Realm in the signal is I, I like to synthesize a lot of concepts together. Um, so let's just say for the Eldritch Realm, um, you know, by and large, um, an album about let's just say a guy traveling through the afterlife and if you ask me what either album is about i might tell you like three different things depending on when you ask me so don't take that with a grain of salt but so he's traveling through the afterlife or or reaching some sort of afterlife and i was like okay you know sharon opal paid you know uh ferryman of the river sticks stuff like that um then then you know at that point in the song um, you know, he's essentially stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to say a rock and a hard place in a song that's not super metal or cool or anything like that. So let's say, okay, well, instead of being stuck between a rock and a hard place, he's stuck between Scylla and Charybdis or something, you know, the, uh, the Argonauts, something, something had to choose whether or not to get sucked into the whirlpool of Charybdis or, or face Scylla, the, the Hydra monster or something like that. So it's, it's my attempt to sort of stay within the bounds of the uh, thematic concept that I'm going for while also just trying to like have something cool to say, you know what I mean? Mm. So that would, cause I can't remember if there's any other allusions to Greek. Okay. That was, that's what I wanted to say earlier is that uh, I think at that point in the, uh, when I was writing the Elder Realm, I was super into like referential literature or a lot of allusions so I can't necessarily give you an example of that, but 
I, at the time, if I can remember correctly, I was just under the impression that it was really cool to sort of uh, pull from a lot of different types of uh, literature and, and themes and stuff like that and sort of smash it together. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, well, does that carry through then to the reference to Lilith that I, I assume is derived from oh, yeah. Lilith of the Old Testament? And um, So you, you got it. Or... Yeah, yeah, you got it there with uh, Safariel. Um, I can't really remember how I got onto that topic, but at some point I read about him. And um, so in, the, in this context, Lilith is, he, he was some, you know, pseudo- he was like a pseudo astronomer, astrologer guy. I don't think his, I don't think any of his work is necessarily considered um, good. It's more like, <laughs> it's like, um, what's that guy that Ozzy Osbourne, talk, Mr. Crowley or something like that. He's like some yeah. sort of like pseudo occultist who, who like said a lot of cool shit, but you know, it's not factually correct or anything. And I don't quote me on that. Um, but so his, he had the a concept of the black moon or the blue moon or something like that. And he called his Lilith. And I just read that, you know, unfortunately, a lot of my stuff is um, sourced from a lot of random Wikipedia reading. And I sort of just find things that I think are cool and go, okay, weird occult astronomer has concept of black moon called Lilith. That sounds pretty cool. Let me Let me sort of create a character in my story that is, you know, you could argue astronomically focused doesn't really have anything to do with the real life person but i i use that as a basis to to sort of make my own story if that makes sense so it's sort of just like smashing a lot of concepts together into something that sounds pretty cool in my opinion hmm. that kind of answer your question there yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely uh, is there a different impact from like is compared to the Greek and is the reason that you use Greek and like Judeo-Christian mythology like why not uh, I don't know uh, Chinese or Russian or you know anywhere yeah for sure so um, I think it's a good question I unfortunately don't necessarily have a good answer for it um, <laughs> other than you know brought up in like I'm not religious or anything like that, but brought up in a Christian household. Um, you know, I was really into Greek mythology as a kid. I uh, tried to read like every every book I could find about it. You know, mm. super into Hercules when I was uh, the Disney movie Hercules when I was younger. Um, the first so Disney think, inspired lyric, I think. <laughs> yeah, 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 right, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, it's more of just, I guess, taking things that I'm interested in, you know, if for argument's sake, um, I'm not sure I could ever do it authentically or something, but let's just say one album in the future is about, you know, a guy traveling to the East, you know, Sun Goku style. Well, I guess he went to the West, but whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, if I were to do something like that, I would then research Chinese mythology and then implement that into the story. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So it's certainly yeah. not, there's no specific reason why I used it other than I thought it was cool. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm unfortunately yeah. sorry, totally for anyone, <laughs> sorry for anyone that's like looking for deeper meaning in, in all of it yeah it's uh sounds cool 
So moving on to the kind of a discussion of more your language choices uh, in your lyrics, mm. um, one thing that we did notice on the Eldest Realm was, uh, you know, in comparison to previous release, uh, was that there's a general kind of increase in the amount of rhyme. Um, so I think we counted seven rhymes on Saturnine, uh, such as unthinkable, diabolical, um, you saw it, you fought, um, or mortal ties, sudden demise. Uh, but many songs have no running goal. Uh, but the Eldest Realm has seven on the first few songs alone, uh, as well as more complex rhyming schemes uh, that we didn't see on the previous album, like uh, ACBA uh, on uh, Sure, Insured, Form, Abhor, and uh, ABAB on Phylactery, Rebirth, uh, Chimes, uh, Lead Me, This Earth. Uh, and there's like 24 rhymes total and no song being rhymeless uh, on that list. Uh, and then the signal from um, Outer Space uh, is pretty similar with about seven rhymes on the first song alone. Uh, so yeah, what's happening here? Um, you know, what led you to kind of lean uh, lean into rhyme um, in your writing? So yeah, so uh, just to preface this question by my going, I thought it was, um, uh, I was tickled pink that you guys had counted the, the rhymes in these <laughs> songs. Cause I, it, you know, it's something I maybe knew in the back of my head that I was like, okay i'm rhyming a lot now um but it was very funny for me to read uh read it listed out like that so that's when i was like oh my gosh these guys did their research um so i thought i thought that was uh very awesome of you guys i just wanted to preface that because i did i was talking to my brother about it and i'm just like wow wow okay this is pretty cool and i I just yeah for (laughs) sure and i actually i just want to take a second here to soapbox a little bit because um especially with what you're about to get into it's sort of thing you know talking about conceptual records and what i'm about to to mention um it's stuff that i have wanted to talk about for a long time but no one in my life cares nearly enough to hear about any of it <laughs> so it's it's pretty cool that um <laughs> you guys reach out to me and, and ask this kind of stuff that that's our research said, yeah this is exactly absolutely yeah, space so, for that kind of discussion <laughs> no one no one wants to hear me dump about this stuff in my real life. So, um, so, so with the rhyming, um, in, in music, I think, and especially I, um, I try to adhere to this, I think on the Eldritch Realm, but definitely the signal, you, what you're saying in your song has to be at the this at service to the music so what i mean by that is that there needs to be flow with what you're saying you know you don't necessarily have to be rapping but there's got to be a flow to your to your lyrics and your speech and what you're singing so i think when when there's no rhyming in music it just sounds so stilted and awful there needs to be like I said, a flow, you know, and I think yeah, at some point, uh, maybe in my like early-ish to mid-20s, I got really into into a lot of different kinds of rap music where flow is the whole game. So that helped me understand that if what you're, it doesn't matter what you're saying, what you're saying has to sound good, if that makes sense. So that's why I could say things like I don't necessarily care about lyrics that much because... I don't always care about the content of your lyrics. I just want what you're saying to to sound good when you're saying it. And I'm not saying that I necessarily hit that mark all the time in my music, but 
the 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 lyrics have to be in service of the music and your concept is not more important than the song so the song has got to be good and then you can sing about what you want to sing about um so i go back to dream theater there are times when i listen to dream theater when they say something and i'm just like oh geez you guys could have thought of a cooler thing to say than that for argument's sake or what they say has zero flow and it sort of takes me out of the song because now all I can think about is how stilted that sounded and how it's uh, no longer doing the song any service. So the, my increase in rhyming over time is directly related to that because I want it to flow together. Um, I also, you know, again, not saying I do it every time, but I like to, I like to rhyme. I think it helps the flow of the song. Um, and I try to not rhyme. I try not to do the most basic rhyming I can. Again, not saying I always get there, but you know, like I mentioned earlier, not rhyming back with attack, not rhyming, you know, dark with uh, bark. I mean, no one's doing that, but you know what I mean. Like I'm trying to trying to say things in a way that is interesting and not the, the most brainless way you can say it. Um, so I'd say that is definitely the, that's definitely the core of where the increase in the rhyme scheme came from. I can't really remember what I was thinking about when I was 15 or when we did that EP, um, Let There Be Light, but it definitely started around the time of the Eldritch Realm and became completely the focus of the signal the the story didn't matter what i'm saying didn't matter it needed to sound good and then then i work on that other so all my demos for music um is just nonsense words but it's nonsense words that feel like they flow together mm. and then sometimes the nonsense words stay um i can't remember exactly oh um actually i won't say anything because i don't want people to read the their favorite lyric in the album and go like, Oh, he actually, that's just some non, that's just some nonsense that came out when he was trying to figure out what to sing there. But there is parts of that. And I think I know, I believe I've read that um, Tommy Rogers from between the bear to me does something similar where sometimes parts of his word salad that came out during his demoing of records stays on it. Cause it sounds good. And sometimes I'll sit there and be like, why am I trying to, write some cool stuff over this when it sounds good here. Um, and then there was just another point I wanted to make there, but it's kind of escaped me. Oh, uh, so my method for writing lyrics is if anyone were to hear any of my early demos of vocal ideas, um, it's all nonsense. And then I take that nonsense and try to transcribe it into the story so there's no real way I can properly demonstrate that but I'll take the sound of what my word salad was and sort of try and transcribe that to real words does that make sense mm -hmm. and that's how I sort of help maintain the, the flow I'm attempting to achieve but yeah does the word salad have good rhymes in it, or good do question. you add them later? That's a good question. Um, maybe, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. 
but it's just mostly word salad. Or if let's just say the first, let's just say we're talking about the first verse of word salad might have a word that I like the sound of. So then I make sure that the second line ends with a rhyme for that word that I liked the sound of. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. 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 So just so I get the process of the word salad, is it like you like just like um, like spontaneously just like coming up with stuff like off the dome, like as you're kind of like just doing like draft track vocals and stuff like on top of the song? Is that like how it works? That's a good question. I'm not sure it can be. I'm not sure you can describe in words how that <laughs> comes out of me, but yeah, I'd say... I, well, okay, it's a little hard for me to remember if I'm being totally honest, but let's just yeah. say any demos that we have knocking around right now, I sometimes it's going to sound kind of corny, but sometimes it just comes to you um, where I think for the song, The Acid Lakes of Ganymede, um, I was just... And I'm not saying this doesn't necessarily answer your question in terms of the word salad. That is just, yeah, I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> sometimes on a sometimes on a demo, it'll just start like pouring out of me. Not to say that it makes sense necessarily, but let's just say in a, in a world where one of these new demos we have ever sees the light of day, from the get-go, the song has a distinct feel. And then wherever my vocals are supposed to come in, the word salad that came out of that felt like it matched the, the tone of the song, or at least how I felt when I listened to it for the first time. So if that song ever comes out, I knew I know what that song is going to be about because my word salad matched what I wanted to do with it, if that makes any sense at all. Um, but then... I guess slightly more broadly, I think I was, when I was trying to write the lyrics for the album, you know, I think for the Eldritch Realm and the Signal, I knew what I tend to do is I, this is going to sound kind of silly, but I think of the title first is the first thing I do. So hmm. I knew that I wanted to write, actually, that might not be true for the Eldritch Realm, but it was true for the Signal. Um, I knew that I wanted to write a big sci fi concept album and i have you know I, I don't know if i have them anymore but i just had like note page after note page in my phone of random ideas i would throw down and one day i think to myself and i you know just to preface some of this as well by saying that i did a lot of research and for anyone listening i'm using air quotes there i listened to a lot of 50s sci-fi radio broadcasts uh -huh. Okay. Um, I, it was called X minus one. So I listened to all of that. I watched a ton of movies. I read a lot of Wikipedia pages. I say that all to, um, sort of give a little background in the sense that I have a lot of stuff floating around and I then try to sort of synthesize it all together. So one of those items was, I just wrote down one day, the signal heard throughout space. And I thought to myself, that's uh, and initially the idea of the album if it's not clear is i initially started conceptually i started with it wanting to be a 50s sci-fi radio broadcast and there was going to be some like uh, ziltoid-esque 
uh, interstitial monologue type stuff, but I, we threw that out because I, I find while that stuff might be cool on the first listen, uh, heavily affects subsequent listens. So for argument's sake, In Transitus by Arion, the first time Kenny and I will usually, our, our bassists get together to listen to new albums when they come out. So there's a really well done voice acting job between each song or every couple of songs on that album. But when I go back and listen to it on my own, I think to myself, oh gosh, not another 45 seconds of monologue before the song I actually wanted to listen to. So all that to say that, um, yeah, so I start with the title and I know, I know where we're starting and I know where we're ending. And then I fill in all the gaps with all the random stuff that I picked up along the way, if that makes sense. I'm not, I, I know I was getting a little tangential there, so I don't know if I answered your question, but uh, oh, that's yeah, definitely something I have yeah. to So speaking of signal through, throughout space on the newest release, in addition to this kind of, you know, the style you used, um, it is quite distinct in the way that you performed it and that it involves an interplay of different speakers uh, and that like there's multiple people talking in their, each song and you have multiple characters uh, and you have more clean vocals than any other album by far. Uh, so did either of these factors approach, uh, affect how you approach writing your lyrics? Like, does anything change when you write something that you know will be able to be heard, uh, air quotes again, on the first take, unlike a scream? The answer is big time. I was freaking out initially, <laughs> A, because um, A because it was the only album that I've really done any sort of clean singing on. I know there's clean singing in the Eldritch realm, but I wouldn't necessarily consider that real because, um, yeah, it's just sort of like bits and pieces. Uh, whereas after the Eldritch realm, we, as I uh, mentioned earlier, we were starting to get into more heavily into progressive music. And I would also consider at this point progressive metal to be my far and away preferred genre. Um, all that to say that things like Arion, which is, you know, big sci-fi, lots of clean singing, multiple characters played by different vocalists, but don't have that privilege here. Um, so that all led into sort of where the signal ended up. Cause uh, we, and then I think uh, the guitarist Ryan and I definitely have a sort of flair for a sort of almost musical like um it's going to sound maybe silly, but like musical, like whimsy, you know, I tend to like, I tend to like music, uh, musicals. So um, that also played a role in what became the signal. Um, but yeah, so initially I was pretty scared because I knew that I knew that everyone, I mean, apparently not because some people asked me for the lyrics, but uh i knew that people were going to actually hear what i was saying instead of you know when i listen to a band like Arcspire, who are famous for very heavy super quickly spoken metal harsh vocals uh you know i don't care what he's saying and i never will uh but i like the music so i say that to to emphasize the point that you could never know what i'm saying on the eldritch realm and it may not matter to you but now on the signal, you can hear what I'm saying and it might matter if it's not good. So that was definitely, I would say helped me mature potentially as a lyricist, you know, opinion notwithstanding. 
um, because I knew that people could hear it now. So it mm. became much more important to me to, to, to write lyrics that weren't, you know, cringy is not the right word, but you got to be more careful with what you're saying. Yeah. And what about the effect of just having different speakers? You know, how is that different, do you think, from a listener point of view, than just, you know, retelling the story from like a third person, you know, narrator perspective? Yeah, so I guess, uh, like I, you know, keep hearkening back to, Arion helped me think that multi-character stories were really cool. And I also wanted to expand a little bit from the Eldritch Realm, which was essentially you know, one character the entire time. So I wanted to sort of push myself to go, okay, let's, let's try out a couple different perspectives. You know, it's not, you know, it's not spilling over with different characters or anything, but it's just something I wanted to test out. Uh, sorry. Can you repeat the question again? Oh, just like, you know, what is the effect? having multiple like multiple um, speakers versus just having a single narrator you know um, detailing events from a third person perspective sure yeah so definitely also to sort of break up how the story flows um you know the narrator doesn't exactly the narrator in this in the signal doesn't exactly play a huge role um but i definitely so in the elder realm for argument's sake the let's just say that there's the main character and safariel who is the big bad guy of that album. Um, I wanted there to be a bit more interplay between the two main characters of the album rather than the bad guy being more conceptual and not like concept mm -hmm. album, just like more abstract in nature. I wanted him to be a bit more concrete. Um, so that's sort of where the idea of having more than one voice really came from. Is, do you... When you were trying to embody these voices, did it affect the words you chose or the way that you wrote the lines? Or is that just more on how the song was? So definitely a little bit. Um, so let's just say, I think, so I think the, the bad guy of the signal is called the formulator. And he, he I think he says something the first time on the acid legs of Ganymede. And I definitely sing that line you know um with elevated emotion and then he comes back in the next song the next song i'm blanking here um the human molecule sorry um and his line specifically in that song i wanted to i wanted there to be i'm not saying i did this holistically or when it happens it's not always because of but I did want there to be a distinctness to who was talking at the time. Again, not super noticeable on this album. Uh, I am but a man. But because um, things like uh, Arion have the privilege of having, you know, like, I don't know, six vocalists on the album where they can truly be their own characters. Where, and contrasting that with, sorry. 
Oh, continue. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, contrasting that with Arion's first album, where there's a different singer each song, more or less, but different singers might be playing the same characters that other singers were playing the last song. Mm. So I was not into that. So I definitely wanted to try to make a distinct nature to each character. And if we were to ever do an album again with multiple characters, I would probably try much harder to make characters distinct and consistent between songs as best I could. Well, to return to an earlier point that you raised about, you know, doing research into, um, was it 50s uh, sci-fi radio broadcasts? Yeah, specifically X minus one. Yeah, well, I was wondering, is that like the source of a lot of the space terminology that you've incorporated into Signal? Yeah, big um, time, big time. Yeah, because we have things like, um, you know, for the sake of listeners, like um, Ultima uh, Thule is a uh, body orbiting Neptune. Uh, the spaceship's name, uh, Cygnus 1, references uh, a constellation. Uh, the song Acid Lakes of Ganymede uh, refers uh, to the moon of Jupiter. Um, and we believe the closing track, um, Eric. Uh, Arecibo? Arecibo, yeah. Arecibo, thank you. Um, calls to the Arecibo um, Observatory uh, in Puerto Rico. Um, so is this, so all of those are just from this, this broadcast that you referenced? Not necessarily. Um, okay. I, uh, so again, I want things that I do to feel authentic. Um, right. Uh, and for listeners, uh, big air quotes there, big air quotes. Um, <laughs> but and I say that to say that, um, you know, I don't necessarily think we hit the mark each time in ter for the Elder Realm specifically, but I see a lot of comments online that say it feels like this album is thematically consistent in that the cover is a 30s horrors poster, the, the, co the content of the lyrics is Lovecraftian in nature, and there are parts of the album that help tie that together. So that makes me feel good when I read that. So the idea behind listening to all those broadcasts and watching the movies and maybe reading a couple books was that I want it to feel uh, authentic. So those terms didn't necessarily originate from like the broadcast, but let's just say I was reading about a lot of different sci-fi concepts and I then try and synthesize that into a way that doesn't just end up being, I want to find a better word than inauthentic, but, you know, it feels like a sci-fi adventure, not just a template that you punched a couple of sci-fi sounding words into. Um, and I think actually, by the way, I think you guys did a good job there. Uh, the, the concept of Ultimate Thule is not the uh, the celestial body or anything like that. It's that um, I think it was I think it was the Greeks again. Uh, so that's a Greek term. And Ultima Thule was or Thule if you want to be technical about it. Um, it just meant beyond. I think it means like beyond north or beyond mm. the end. So, and I think it, in, it, I could be getting this wrong because I, you know, read it at the time and then out, out in one ear out <laughs> the other, but um, it was the concept that this is the farthest point and then beyond that. So they didn't know what was beyond that. So then I used that 
to say like that maybe this is where the signal originated from it was a it was from a point beyond what what is known um and i you know kudos to you guys for getting arecibo that that yeah that is what that's referencing so that was the that was the concept of the arecibo message from that um observatory you mentioned and the idea behind that is that I think in the 70s or something like that, they sent out a payload uh, into space for superficial reasons. I think it was more of a demonstration of technological prowess than an actual attempt to contact aliens or anything like that. But the Arecibo message contained um, basic informa information about humanity. So like, I think it had the, the image of a man and then some symbols that, you know, um, corresponded to something it, uh, that they were trying to express. So I took that concept and thought to myself, okay, well, in the story of the signal, at some point, the, the captain sends a message about his adventures through time and space, hoping that it reaches somebody that will listen to it. So... I guess that's sort of maybe a, a more grounded in reality way of ex trying to express my attempt to take real like things that I've read about and then turn them into components of my story. So hopefully that's making sense. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Why use real places though, instead of just like, you know, make, make things up, like uh, make up a name of a spaceship, make up a name of a planet. Cause you, you have made things up in the past. Sure. Making up stuff is hard. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I, it's, I think, I think it's just, I think it's just more interesting personally. Um, you know, you might, you know, you, most people aren't going to know what Arecibo is or means. Um, but I think it's just more interesting to take that real life concept and then turn it into maybe distill its meaning and then use it for my own purposes rather than, you know, cause if I called that, this is going to sound stupid because I can't think of some cool word off the top of my head. But if I, if I just called that song, some sort of gobbledygook um, uh, nonsense word, I, you know, not to say anyone is looking into it hard enough to understand that anyway, you, you guys did kudos, but it gives it that sort of, and when I say deeper meaning, I'm not saying that it's profound, but it gives it that sort of additional layer that I find interesting. Um, you know, Cygnus One, interestingly enough, a lot of people are like, yeah, it's clearly a Rush reference because uh, they've got um, uh, two songs, I think called uh, Book of Cygnus chapters one and two or something to that effect. Sorry, not a huge Rush fan if I messed that up. Um, it was actually because uh, another band that I like called um, Vector has a song called like the Cygnus Terminal. And I just thought like, wow, that sounds super badass. I want to also use Cygnus somewhere on my album as a way to sort of, again, bring together all these sort of different kind of disparate sci-fi concepts. Hmm. 
And I suppose moving forward, uh, with, you know, with more discussion of the newest album, um, we wanted to talk about uh, your use of perspective, um, as we've you know, talked about the different speakers and stuff that appear on this album. Um, but we did see that um, the newest album also features, um, you know, a lot of use of I. Uh, so a lot of your songs are told from the first person perspective. Um, but to pair with the, uh, the Eldritch, Eldritch Realm, um, that album has like 18 uh, and then two uh, just from Lilith's speech. Uh, and this new one hits 18 eyes before the album was even half over. Um, so why do you reckon um, you more actively wrote from the first person perspective, like on the new album? So full disclosure, when I read that, when you counted the eyes on the newest album, it hurt a little bit because I try so hard not to do that. Mm. And obviously I, I'm not successful. But I, okay. I tend to think, unfortunately, especially for me, I, I tend to think that it's a, a huge crutch when, when writing lyrics or trying to make a story. Um, obviously, you know, I sort of maybe try and circumvent that by making it a main, like first person main character perspective so that there's a little more reason to. But I, I actually can't stand that I do that. And I wish I were... Um, better at what I did so that I could sort of work around that. And that, that would probably be a goal for me if we were to ever make another album. Cause I find it to be such a, a lazy crutch when trying to write lyrics. Um, Cause you want, it's, it's, you know, it's sort of like the, a different version of my philosophy on swearing in music is that there's so many things and so many ways to say things that I don't want to have to rely on the first person I all the time, but I, but I do. Um, did that sort of answer your question? It's definitely something that I'm not like a huge fan of in my own writing. It's interesting you say that. I don't think I've really heard that. I don't think we've, no. we're asking, you can check me on this, but I don't think anyone's like suggested that there is a, um, any issue with using uh, I, like from like a writing or a literary standpoint. <laughs> um, yeah. Again, it's like, it's just one of my, um, you know, personal quirks. It's like, so, you know, I know I keep referencing it because I, I yeah. don't truly think it's like a, an awesome feat of like lyric writing and concept coming forward in metal in a way that most people aren't doing it. But Palimpsest by Protest the Hero, don't quote me on it, but he's certainly not saying I a lot. He's telling stories about, you know, uh, American exceptionalism and stuff in a way that I find really compelling. And it's not all told from different versions of a first person perspective so that mm. would definitely be i mean it can be hard sometimes when you're trying to write a story with like actual characters in it that need to have internal thoughts and it potentially interact with other characters but yeah it's just i just i find it to be a lazy crutch in my own lyric writing i like i could probably like you know soup it up a little bit make make it a little more abstract and poetic and not use i all the time but then that also unfortunately conflicts with my other tenet of the story needs to be grounded and followable mm -hmm. so if you if you dress up your concept in too much fluff then you're just going to be like all right well I, I don't understand what's going on here anymore and i don't yeah. like reading passages in concept albums of what is going on now? I've completely lost the plot. 
Well, I was going to say that, like, you know, some might say that the, like, use of I, like, helps the listener, reader, whomever, kind of connect better with uh, the narrator and the story um, as kind of like a, a viewpoint from which kind of, like, understand all the events that occur. Um, is that not something that you necessarily, like, see yourself? Like, I mean, even as the, the writer, like, do you see a greater connection between yourself and the characters that you embody when you do write from the I perspective? No, not really. I mean, again, uh, the, I think that's maybe part of what I don't like about it is that I'm, I want people to remember that I'm writing a story with characters. Again, some of what on a very high level, the, some of the things and concepts in the album relate to how I felt about how I felt when I wrote the lyrics at the time, but I don't want people to read the lyrics and be like, oh, this is this is actually him speaking through the character right now. Mm. You know, um, just to give a specific example, I think in um, suspended animation, um, the captain says stuff like, uh, I don't know, like, I'm alone and I hate it here. And um I'll never make it on my own and stuff like that. And that, I don't, I didn't want people to think that that's like me speaking through the character be like, this is how I feel. Like I'm trapped. No, like that's not the, the case. Again, it's reflective of the thing that I felt about when I was writing it, but it's not, I didn't want it to come off as like a cry for help, if that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, so it's just a more um, indirect then, connection rather than a direct one, right? Sure. So then, okay. but then using I a lot can muddy that water sometimes, yeah. potentially. Um, and then it's just it goes back to the 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 idea of of finding interesting ways to express things and constantly going, I feel this way. I am doing this thing. It's just not a super interesting way to frame a story around. It's you know, when, it's when you're of, reading Dune or something, Paul's not going like I, 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 I. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, it's it's interesting because this is kind of reminiscent of some of the comments that like Oliver Alaron made um, when we interviewed him about his lyrics for Archspire. Um, and one of the things that he said, like you know, to paraphrase, is more or less like I don't want any of me in my lyrics. I want it to be totally impersonal. I want it to be totally immersive in this world that I've created. Like I don't want the listeners to be thinking about like me as a person when they you know engage with like you know my work is that basically where you're coming from not entirely <laughs> there's a, t a time where i would have said that probably around probably if you asked me at the eldritch realm i would have said yes because let's just say the eldritch realms concept was based very loosely on like let's just say I was at a point in my life where I felt a little uh, stuck. And then the story of a guy that can't die and is constantly seeking a way to reach a sort of afterlife. It, I, I had a, a vague feeling that I tried to express as a concept for an album, if that makes sense. And then the signal, you know, searching for something wanting something very badly feeling like you might lose what you have 
in an attempt to get to this end point, you know, I'm using vague emotional concepts to frame a story around, but it's not, it's not super deep and it's not, um, uh, and it's, yeah. So it's sort of like, I'd say maybe I fall a little bit in the middle there where Mm -hmm. I don't want you to be thinking about that when you're listening to the album, but that's what the album came from. If that makes sense. So like, I would totally agree with him if we were having a discussion about it. Be like, I hear you, brother. You know, and I, <laughs> I do. I, I really like Archspire as well. I just was listening to their album uh, at the gym today. So um, definitely a big fan of those guys. So while we're on the topic of kind of voicing, uh, one thing that surprised us is the use of rather casual, colloquial, uh, quote unquote, Western speech in an otherwise sci-fi epic. Uh, especially for characters you call formulons on one track. You have phrases like Raiden with no G at the end. Uh, go chill sundown rev the jets cuz rather than because it's gonna be fun get them over for it's begun instead of before uh, etc why did you switch to this style of language after the use of phrases like distant rumbling swelling to a crescendo or cosmic background radiation from the epoch of a combination uh, that sort of featured as the norm in the prior uh, songs sure so I actually thought this question was super cool um um And it's very specific as well. Basically, the formulons, again, I think it, you know, contact as a song um, is a bit more, uh, what's the word? It's more playful in nature. So, again, that harkens back to what I was saying about really wanting the lyrics to tonally match the song. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, this feels like chest beating. Uh, um, what's the band? Let me kill Meisters from. Oh, uh, Motorhead. Motorhead. You know that sort of like Motorheady, um, reckless abandon st- type stuff. So I wanted to capture that, and and you know in this in the context of the story, you know on the album cover they're swooping in. The formulons are meant to be like alien biker gang kind of stuff. So I wanted to. I wanted to have fun on that song with the lyrics. I wanted it to be silly and I wanted it to sound more casual because this is supposed to be, you're supposed to be hearing about what an alien biker gang is doing for argument's sake. So I thought that was really cool that you guys uh, picked up on that, but that's definitely the basis for that. You know, the characters at the time are more casual in nature. So that's where that comes from. Hmm. We also felt that these lines had a bit of humor in them, uh, such as couplets like, now bring out the champagne, raise your glasses, he's dying in pain. Um, but this isn't really unique to I'm, the album. I'm really, I'm really proud of that one, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we could flag it then. Glad I could, you know, host it here. Um, but we actually noticed that, like, throughout your discography, there are sort of hints at humor, intentional or not. Um, on the song you have about Avatar, uh, the line, the vacation you never wanted to take is something I found particularly humorous. Uh, around the otherwise, you know, kind of dark, uh, excuse me, dark discussion of things like disembodied hands extend from outstretched arms, seeking to smother the truth behind the lies. Do you aim to add a bit of humor to your lyrics overall? And is this something you struggle with at all? Like, has there ever been any pushback from within yourself or others uh, saying that like humor or kind of joking around isn't something that there's space for in um, metal lyrics of a band that mean, otherwise means to be taken seriously? So again, another great question. Um... The answer is uh, I like a little bit of cheese here and there. Uh, I'm definitely a huge fan of stuff that can be cheesy. I don't 
I like it when stuff, and if it's not self-evident from the music, I like it when stuff doesn't take itself super seriously. And again, that's what I've sort of been expressing throughout a lot of this interview in that, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily like it when stuff is trying to be super deep. Um, um, so I tend to, while I don't always, I'm not trying to always make it come off as comedic. Um, there are definitely times where I like to throw in a line I think is funny. So I remember getting a lot of pushback back in the day for that vacation you never wanted to take line. I thought it was hilarious and I'm like, nope, it's staying in. Um, and then, um, sorry, what was the example of the um, lighthearted line in uh, uh, the signal that you raise a champagne dying? Wrong? in? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so I thought that was hilarious. And I thought, um, you know, obviously this is not the case, but I was like rhyming champagne and pain is, is genius tier stuff. I am a hundred percent doing that. I think that's hilarious. Uh, obviously there's a time and a place for it on the album. Um, I'm not going to make a joke on the song, the signal, because that song is setting the scene for the album. It's expressing sort of the emotional drive for the captain, et cetera, et cetera. So there's obviously a time and a place for it. Um, and then especially in contact, the song, which holistically was meant to be a tongue in cheek sort of here, let I'm going to take this song to sort of get some of this stuff out of my system, get a bit more lighthearted. You know, it's not serious all the way through kind of thing. So I'd say that's definitely where it, it, tends to come from and i would say that the uh the line uh it's been a god goddamn ride at the end of arecibo is that same sort of style where i wanted it to feel human i guess so mm -hmm. you'd think that's maybe what someone might say genuinely if if they had just finished something to you know obviously not flying through space and stuff but to 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 maybe be a bit more human in speech rather than the whatever whatever else I'm doing during the album. Mm. I mean, is there like a, ever a limit to this? Like, I mean, you said that like, you know, you put humor in like places where you know, it's suited and kind of leave it out where, you know, it's going to kind of detract from, um, you know, the concept behind a given song. Like in general though, like, do you think there's a limit to like the use of humor, like in a genre like metal? Like, do you kind of, is there a danger that you might like cross beyond like, you know, a certain line you enter into kind of joke lyric territory? Big time is the answer. So <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, Devin Townsend Ziltoid um, gets close to being too much of a joke, but I think it ends up skirting the line perfectly, you know, the amount of my friends that I can quote that album to and be like, make it perfect or something like that. Is <laughs> Sorry. You're, yeah, like, no, no. Like the minute you said, I, I know exactly the, the exact. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. Yeah. Or like when he, when he drinks the coffee and he's like fetid, you know I mean? It's like, I think that's hilarious. Uh, I think the, just, just to have an example of a specific album, I think the like stoner, god of the universe gets a little close to like too silly but again this was like 
slightly different time kind of thing. But um, the answer is totally yes. Uh, you know, I would never want the cheesiness that I enjoy to turn something that I helped make into a joke. But I want to get the point across that like, hey, we're supposed to have fun here. So let's have a little fun. There are a couple of bands that I'm not saying are bad or anything, but I feel like they take themselves way too seriously. And not to say that I don't sometimes want to listen to more seriously oriented music, but it just gets a bit much. Like I tend to like things that are, you know, bombastic, theatrical, semi-self-aware, like, hey guys, we're all, it's, when I was younger, I would, vehemently not want to watch brainless action movies um because i was like oh cinema needs to be um there's got to be something more there but now you know i feel like a lot of the times i just want to watch a dumb action movie because i want to be taken somewhere else and i want to have a good time so that's sort of what i'm trying to achieve in the vibe i'm trying to put out there in the music so hopefully that makes sense there do you think that like you'd appreciate most things if they had a, a smattering of humor? Like, like would you consider yourself say maybe we, like if black metal, for instance, popped a few jokes here and there? Do you think you'd uh, gravitate to that a little bit more over progressive, or like is yeah. that a genre that just doesn't, just doesn't work? It's got to be it's got to be cult, you know? Okay, so I was in my knee jerk reaction to that was going to say no, just because it's a very intense style of metal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's not a whole lot of room for that. That being said. I do remember there's a, a band called, um, I might be saying this wrong, but Karish Angren, and they've got a song called, um, uh, uh, they have a song called Bloodstains on the Captain's Log, which is a, a euphemism. But And I think that song is funny. Um, it doesn't come off comedically, but I find it humorous, but not in a, I'm not like laughing at the music or anything, but I think it's funny. So I think if you have a sort of subtle wordplay or something like that, it, that can be funny, you can fit that into black metal. But I think black metal that is trying to be funny is, is not funny. I think maybe that's a good way of putting it is that if you're trying to be funny in music, it, it's not funny. But if you sort of throw a, a, a little, a little elbow, you know, elbow jab here and there it can come off a lot better one thing i did want to say is that i know that there i've seen like a a song recently that i thought was really funny um and i'm just trying to think of a way a good way of phrasing this so here's the thing is that this funny metal song i'm talking about i don't want to say i don't want to say what it is because um you know it's it's nothing to i don't want to denigrate people or anything like that but the song is genuinely funny for about 45 seconds to a minute and then there's two minutes of song left you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's like the humor can't carry the song at some point the song needs to be good as well but the song is just funny and i think that's sort of what i mean when i say things earlier like the the lyrics and concept all needs to be in service of the song you need to have a good song and then the song can be funny, but not all funny songs are good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like, yes, loop into that. You mentioned um, not trying to be funny, I guess, because I would kind of argue 
that Ziltoid tries to be funny. Uh, yeah, is that, is, yeah. is that suffice because the songs are good enough? I would say so. And again, like I said, I, de- I find some bits of Ziltoid to be a bit much. <laughs> well, yeah. But well, when I say bit much, I mean like I, I don't find the concept of like the all-knowing stoner god to be that funny. But I think Ziltoid drinking the coffee and spitting out it in the beginning is funny. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like you don't want to overdo it. Obviously, Ziltoid, you know, this special place in my heart, stuff like that. So it's hard to take that uh not at face value but it's hard to use that as a reference point because i i you know i love that album so but there you you know it's like i loved weird al yankovich when i was a kid oh yeah am i gonna go back and listen to it again you know probably not i'm not trying to look for just like funny covers of songs that uh that are good but i loved it when i was 10 you know what i mean yeah if that makes sense yeah yeah we might jump like we, we have basically two kind of big questions. And I think the one we're going to ask you after yeah. makes more sense here. So mm-hmm. we've talked to some bands that do sci-fi stuff on the podcast, like Hybrid Nightmares and Archspire. And we've been mentioning Ziltoid. There's two Ziltoid albums. Um, and you're clearly familiar with all this. You've listened to these bands. Um, when you were sitting down to write your own sci-fi epic, were these in the back of your head? Like, did you worry about comparisons to like, you know, release an album, people say like, oh, it's like a Ziltoid kind of thing. And if so, did you make efforts to differentiate yourself from all the stuff that's out there before? So that's another good question. So the answer is, um, the answer is that there is a degree of reference you want people to notice, or at least in our music, not always, but sometimes you do. We're, uh, we're unfortunately, maybe not unfortunately, but we're one of those bands where people tend to say, well, the nice people tend to say things like they are a band that clearly you can tell who they're taking influence from, but they manage to take that and make it their own. So that's obviously the, the nicest interpretation of that. Um, the one I tend to, you know, I'll agree with that one. So, and then, so for this album, we, we were definitely listening to a lot, obviously we were listening to a lot of dream theater when we made it. Um, so I was, I wanted people to compare us to dream theater. Cause I'm like, people are comparing our band to dream theater, like goal, goal achieved. Um, I think we also get heavily, we get heavily, uh, sorry, what's the word? We get heavily um, compared to Between the Buried and Me. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, I, I love Between the Buried and Me personally, and so do a couple of the other members of the band. But I think we did that on the Eldritch Realm, and I think one of the goals of this album was to be less compared to Between the Buried and Me than we had previously, which uh, was not the case. But, you know, I wanted to see, I wanted people to see that we were listening to bands like Hake and Devin Towns and Rush dream theater um obviously still a lot of between the barrier to me comparisons um but um sorry can you repeat the question because i i think i I have something else that i want did you did you worry about did you do things to make sure that the album kind of avoided that sort of comparison so i mean the answer is yes you know i can only do so much because i i think we tend to write um slightly compartmentally uh ryan the guitarist writes a lion's share of all the music 
um, uh, guitars anyway. Um, you know, he'll, he'll obviously ask us for our opinions on what he's doing, but he writes a lion's share of it. So I say that to say that there's an amount of influence that he brings into his portion of the music that I can't control. Same with Kenny in the bass, same with me on the vocals. Um, so obviously I'm not going to pretend like I wasn't heavily influenced by a couple of the earlier bands that I mentioned. Obviously I would like to think that I'm doing it in a way that is, you know, sort of like the way I approach writing concept albums is it's a synthesis of the things that I like. You can point at things in the signals lyrics and be like, Arecibo Observatory, Ultima Thule, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can, I'm, I, you know, I'm not trying to hide the fact that I'm interested in or influenced by certain things. Uh, but I would like to think that it comes together in a way that is slightly more organic and not just coming off like we are carbon caught. We clearly listen to too much of this band, you know, for argument's sake, there are bands that you listen to and you go, you have been listening to Opeth far too much for far too long for argument's sake, because they're just so, so similar. We're trying so hard to ape that style. And again, I'm sure people are saying, some people are saying that about the newest record, but you, you try to, you try your best to, synthesize and then output i mean it's like writing a academic paper right the uh you you are reading other people's work synthesizing it and then using that to make some sort of different greater point hmm. so more broadly why do you think so many bands in metal uh, a genre which is you know often recognized fairly unfairly for quintessentially quote-unquote brutal themes uh, why do you think so many sci-fi and space bands have been emerging as focal points uh themes have been emerging as focal points for lyricists in this genre yeah i mean short answer is you know it's cool shit to talk about you know what i mean <laughs> um it's you know obviously i'm a huge sci-fi guy you know i joke to people whenever i watch a movie that is like a, a world-bound um realistic drama that I enjoyed. It's not that I don't enjoy drama movies, but I'll always choose a sci-fi thriller over a real world drama every single time. So it's just, personally, it's just what I'm really into. It's easily my preferred genre. Um, and again, it I think it maybe leads in or leads back to um, the idea that metal tends to gravitate towards grandiose topics and then the perfect setting for uh, a grandiose topic is outer space. You know what I mean? So mm. it's all, I feel like there was, I feel like I was thinking about this the other day, but uh, that thought is unfortunately gone, but yeah, just the idea. It's like, um, so one thing I find interesting that is related to your point is that I really like surf rock a lot. Um, and there are a couple of themes in surf rock that are sort of related to metal. So like most bands, I, I you know, this is not factual by any degree, but just from what I experience listening to a good amount, surf rock is either space themed, um, horror themed, or like obviously beach themed. And I just think to myself, it's interesting that just, you know, similarly to metal surf rock 
gravitated towards two concepts where you're you don't immediately go yeah that makes surf rock should be themed like a horror movie that makes sense right you just like uh you say so so i think i think these are sort of just universal because they're heavily um heavily thematic so i think it lends itself to any sort of band or type of music that wants to emulate that so that's uh, i think that's probably what i would say about that Well, kind of looking at the language that you've used to write lyrics across all of your releases now, um, it seems that although there is, of course, some variation in the terminology that you've used to write distinct songs off the different releases, as we've discussed, um, the language in general that surrounds, like, you know, particular terms appears mostly accessible or at least kind of recognisable to the majority of English language users. So to give some examples, um, lines like uh, use the weapons of destruction, I no longer wish to play this game, kill every last one of them, xenocide, this is no simulation, contain the word xenocide, which is obviously drawn from Ender's Game, but are otherwise populated by pretty recognisable vocabulary. Similarly, lines like wading through the cold waters of this lifeless shore, obol paid, passage insured, um, Sharon's eyes linger on my form, eternal life is something to abhor. Uh, mention obol, uh, which is a form of ancient Greek currency, uh, but again, is surrounded by relatively familiar expressions. And then uh, breathing shallowly, oxygen stores now depleting, um, Cygnus one uh, took quite a beating, harm sustained from overheating, burned away what was remaining have some scientific and space-related terminology, but are otherwise not too difficult to pass. Um, so was it your intention to create this balance of the familiar and unfamiliar, um, you know, using the vocabulary drawn from specific sources combined with, you know, relatively like everyday uh, language, or maybe not everyday language, but familiar uh, language? Yeah, so I would say that that's sort of my attempt to Again, I'm not attempting to create deep, deeply meaningful music, but I want it to come off as like someone intelligent wrote it. So, and by that, I mean, I want it to, I want it to sort of make allusions to things. I want it to, I want it to read well. Like when I read my lyrics without the context of the song, I want it to sound cool as well. You know what I mean? I don't want it to just sound cool when you're listening to it. I want it to, if, if you read it without the music and still think, you know, the things said and the way they are said still comes off as cool sometimes. You know, that's kind of the goal. So I would say those, the, the, the things you brought up there are sort of in service of that, where you want it to be, you're like, Ooh, let me sprinkle a reference in here or you know, make sure that make sure that the the what is happening in the song at the time is clear, but not so clear that you're just listing off a bunch of things that are happening at once for argument's sake. Mm. And did the language um, style that appears um, in the text or like sources that inspired some of these songs, like you know, Lovecraft's writing, for instance, influence the way that you wrote these songs? Uh, I would say the Eldritch Realm was probably more of that, and not necessarily his writing, but obviously it's heavily, you know, at the time, if it wasn't, if it weren't obvious, but 
I was were super into Lovecraft. Um, but part of the issue I found with some of his stuff is that it's not actually that much fun to read. But the concepts. <laughs> I mean, sorry. Don't want to no, come yeah. off. Don't don't want to come off like I'm dragging my knuckles across no, we, the floor. We can drag Lovecraft here, but... all you want. Yeah, he's I think right. we're yeah. good on that. Yeah. yeah, he's not a good person. Yeah, and, uh, no, yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah I've read, sure. read everything he's written. I think I read a thing called The Complete, and I just I would agree with you. Like some of them, like when he when he nails it out of the park, it's out of the park. But some of his stories, like the idea is good, but but the story is There's a reason. There's a reason that some of the stories aren't well known. Exactly. So it's. I think, yeah, so you kind of hit the nail on the head there. It's that conceptually, a lot of what he writes about is so freaking cool. But when you read it, you're like, this is not fun to read. <laughs> it's sort of um, not necessarily the same, but I remember I'm also a pretty big Sherlock Holmes fan. So mm. when I was going into full Sherlock Holmes binge mode, um, I realized that there were some Sherlock Holmes stories that just ended on a cold case. And the first time I ever did that, I was like, what, what do you mean he got away? Where's the second half of this story? Um, and that I'm not a hundred percent to be honest, how related that was to what you were saying, but I, I just thought about that. And it's something that's bothered me for a really long time, but to get back to, to get back to. <laughs> kind of get, get space to get that out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> the so yeah so so his i wouldn't say his literal writing influenced it but obviously the 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 concept so that he created were super influential to what i was writing about in the eldritch realm and i think similarly with the signal i tried to use you know philip k dick stories um mm -hmm. and all the all the radio broadcasts I listened to and, and stuff like that, I wouldn't say that it influenced my lyrics or the way I wrote my lyrics, but it influenced the lyrics, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not trying to, like, mimic their writing style or anything like that. Mm. I mean, you know, people might bring up examples of me doing precisely that, but that's not the goal. <laughs> So, well, to tie this together, like, what would you say the goal of your lyrics is in your music? What is the purpose or role of uh, lyrics in Paris's music? And more broadly, what is the goal or purpose of lyrics in the extreme metal genre itself? Yeah, so, I mean, for me, again, I think the lyrics that I write are meant to be a reflection of how I felt at the time, but ultimately it's supposed to be a fun listening experience is in that I want to create a story with enough connecting threads and a concept that can carry the album uh, in a way that is enjoyable to people. Um, you know, I'd say, again, as I've been saying, not trying to make a, a super deep, huge point, really just trying to, trying to have, trying to, trying to create a fun time for a listener to get through. You know, when I, when I listen to something like Metropolis 2 or uh, Scenes from a Memory by Dream Theater, you know, it's just a fun album to listen to. And that's sort of the, 
the vibe uh, I think we were trying to really recreate there. In terms of metal as a whole, it's it's hard to say, you know, I mean, it's so, not to give like some sort of cop-out answer, but it's like, you know, for me, some people, you, you might assume that because I write lyrics and I, and I take my lyric writing seriously, you might think like he cares about other people's lyrics, like I, I don't care about your lyrics. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily listen to music to see what anyone has to say, or again, I'm, I'm speaking generally, obviously if music connects with me, I might check out the lyrics and, you know, I think, um, Opeth's most recent album in Cow to Venom, I, one interesting, again, so sorry, slight tangent here, but that album released as both. Oh, is it Swedish? I'm gonna. Hopefully, it's Swedish. Um, in both Swedish and English albums, um, due to pressure from the label, because he wanted to do a Swedish album, but due to pressure from the label, he had to release an English version of it as well. And one one thing I found really interesting about that is that if you translate his Swedish lyrics into English. I don't know if that's a product of like Google Translate. Sorry, I don't know how to speak Swedish. Um, they are much more on the nose than his English lyrics, presumably transcribed from his Swedish, which would have been written first. So I don't know if that layer of abstraction is not there because of the google translate tool that i was using but i thought it was interesting that his lyrics on the english version are so much more mysterious and cool so then again i'm slightly contradicting myself here but when i said i don't like lyrics with a bunch of obfuscated meaning that being said i, I do enjoy it in some of opeth's music and music generally um but i guess the point i'm trying to make is that it's hard to say what the role of lyrics are in extreme metal, you know, as I'm sure both of you guys have heard before from people or your parents or anybody is that, what are they even saying? I can't, I can't understand it. And you just like, I don't know, sometimes it's not about what you're saying. It's about what it made you feel like. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not listening to a Slipknot song going like, Ooh, sorry, I missed that third word of the fourth verse. I'm just like, this is making my blood pump. Mm. And what I can hear is, is pleasing to me. So I'd say, you know, different strokes for different folks. Um, but hard, hard to pinpoint the purpose of lyrics in extreme metal holistically, but people have found a way. So hopefully that's uh, profound enough to, uh, to end on. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. So how can people find their way to your music? Sure. So, I mean, um, I, if, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure that we're streaming um, everywhere that music can be streamed. Um, we got a YouTube channel, a Facebook and Instagram, no Twitter, but uh, we're also, you can find us. Um, this was actually the first time that we were signed by a label uh, in the form of Willow Tip Records. So you could find it on their website as well or probably talking about on any of their social medias. 
Um, but yeah, yeah. Thank you guys uh, very much for having me. It was very cool to, as I mentioned earlier, it's very cool to get to intimately discuss a topic that most people <laughs> did not want to hear me talk about. Um, just a funny tidbit there. I think um, actually one of my friends at a party recently uh, made like a half joke about the song Arecibo and like, what does that even mean? And halfway through trying to explain to them, oh, well, actually it's an observer, blah, 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 blah. You know what I said earlier? They just like boop, completely checked out <laughs> and stopped listening. And I was like, why'd you even ask if you didn't care? But um <laughs> But so it's, it's nice. It's very, bro. It's just, it's just, a, just a yeah, place. exactly. Exactly. It's, it's very, um, it's very nice that there was a, that you guys have created a platform for, um, for, for me to be able to talk about stuff like this. It's very interesting. Oh, glad you enjoyed it. I guess like, yeah, I mean, you know, we don't usually do this, but I guess since we have you, I, I gotta, I, you know, so reading the, the entire album, uh, I just want to know if I, if I got the story right. Um, Cause we don't usually have like, is this the meaning, but um the the is it like the ring like the the album we're listening to is that the signal and then that's what we hear and we explore it and then it gets sent back to another listener is that is it like a constant so pretty close again if you tried to if you tried to pin me down Mm -hmm. on almost any part of the album i might tell you two different things at two different times um but the so like the the intro song is called space logo 245 mm-hmm. and the 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 very end of the album he is sending out his distress signal with using his space log mm-hmm. number 0245 so what i was attempting to do there was that the signal he sends out at the end is the and then, okay, so not to overexplain, but the the first song, Space Log 0245, is meant to be a sort of overture uh, in the style of like Overture 1928 for Scenes from a Memory by Dream Theater in that it's supposed to have bits and pieces of all the songs in that song. Mm-hmm. So uh, might have, it's got most of the songs in there, maybe not every single one, or if it is, it might be in differently abstract ways, but the intention there was that the signal he sends out at the end of the album is that first song. Mm -hmm. So you hear that first song and it's bits and pieces of each song of the album, like the Arecibo message, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So you, you basically got it there. Okay. And then we had, all right, cool. Nice. Again, I, I, I did a bachelor's degree in English paying off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You definitely don't need a bachelor's degree in English to understand what I'm trying to say, but it definitely helps. Cool. Well, thank you so much yeah, for, awesome. for sharing with us, Han. It's been great. Absolutely, yeah. guys. It was a uh, it was it was very it was very interesting and nice to be here. So thank you guys very much. Thank you for listening to Lingua Italica. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you stay tuned for our next episode. Before we leave, we just wanted to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay respects to their elders, past and present. Mm-hmm.